Are there days when you feel frustrated because you're not seeing progress, but yet you continue to do the same things over and over expecting a different result? Are there days you feel defeated, lost, or hopeless and feel like giving up? Well, you're in the right place, my friend, and I can help. This is the Road to Health podcast, and my name's Tamar, your host for this adventure. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and make my goals and dreams a reality. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that life throws at me, but by working on developing the way I think and how I take action, I've learned to build a firm belief in my own ability to change. No one needs to take this journey alone, so if you want to be empowered to live up to your true potential and meet the challenge of change, join me on the road to health. Hey everyone, Tamar here from the Road to Health podcast, where my mission is to empower you to live up to your true potential because guess what? You are capable of so much more than you think. So if you're feeling stuck right now or not sure what direction to go in, I've got your back. I know how you feel. I was there a couple years ago and I was feeling incredibly lost and complacent and I didn't know why I couldn't get that motivation back that I had experienced several years earlier when I got sober because that first year I felt so driven and so motivated to turn my life around but then all of a sudden it was like, hey, you know what, I graduated, I got this thing and I started to kind of slip, you know, on my goal setting Um, I constantly found myself going into that failure cycle where I'd get excited and, you know, a short time later I found myself starting all over again and I was making New Year's resolution year after year after year and with the same results. And anyway, I got sick and tired of that so I decided to do something and that is when I really started to dig into mindset and what I could do to change that and what I discovered along the way is when you create your vision, all sorts of incredible things start to happen because when you have a crystal clear vision of where it is you want to go in your life, you can make decisions based on that vision, right? Goal setting becomes a little bit more fun because you set goals that align with that. So I encourage you to really discover what it is you want. What's your purpose in life? And I'm going to help you because I've got a workshop that's absolutely free that you can sign up for and it's called Discover Your Ikigai. Now if you've listened to any of the previous episodes you've probably heard me talk about the program called Mensana and it is Latin for healthy mind in a healthy body. Now the very first session we talk about how to discover your ikigai and also goal setting. The reason why the ikigai part is so instrumental in that program is because it really allows you to create goals that align with that vision that you have for yourself. And all of a sudden, it doesn't become as tedious because it's actually something that you want to achieve. It's not something maybe that you think others want you to achieve, right? Society as a whole. So goal setting uh, just can become a little bit more enjoyable and you have more chance at achieving it if it aligns with that vision. So head on over to the website. The workshop is absolutely free and it'll give you a good solid foundation for when you start to really decide what your goals are and 
I did this before the new year because so many people love to make new year's resolutions and we're going through a tough time right now. So why not sign up for the workshop? It's free and you can start to really change things now because I know a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are feeling stuck and this will just give you a little bit of extra help along the way. On today's episode, I got to chat with my friend Janet Garan from World Without Wine, where they enable people to change their relationship with alcohol. Now, of course, as you know, alcoholism and addiction are very near and dear to my heart topic-wise because I know that there's a lot of people out there that struggle and they just don't know what to do. And I, what I love about World Without Wine is, you know, Janet has just made it easier for people who aren't quite sure whether or not they have a problem to go to a safe place. There is a lot of support there. They've got recovery coaching and of course they've got challenges. So definitely check it out. I'll make sure that all the information is in the show notes and also make sure you check out her podcast, which is called Goodbye to Alcohol. And I just, I really enjoyed our conversation because there are so many different ways to get sober these days and not everybody can relate to going through detox or going into a treatment center. And, you know, I know there's probably a lot of people out there right now struggling. Uh, They're not sure if they have a problem. They just know that life is getting out of control. So you'll definitely don't want to miss out on this interview and let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm hanging out with my friend Janet Garand from the World Without Wine. How are you doing, Janet? I'm good, thanks, Tamara. Lovely to be on your show. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what led you to wanting to quit drinking? Oh, okay. Well, I was one of these people whose um, drinking kind of stepped up over the years. It happened, my addiction happened to me very slowly. I'd, um, you know, in my 20s, I'd had a couple of like wild kind of blackout type evenings, but, you know, it was just part of, of growing up. I really didn't think twice about it. And then when I was 30, I got married for the first time. And uh, my husband was a bit of a drinker as well. So we just fell into that routine where we had, um, when I got home from work, I remember we'd have a a nice Jack Daniels, you know, quite a big one. And then we'd have a bottle of red with dinner and we'd have dinner parties and people would come round and they'd be there till three o'clock in the morning and there'd be like bottles everywhere. But we didn't think anything of it. You know, we both had good jobs. We had my son who we looked after well we, we were extremely functional and that went on for you know of the the duration of our marriage really but in my early 40s I um, fell in love with someone else who's <laughs> my current husband so obviously divorce and um, my current husband who is French has a very different attitude towards alcohol and you know unlike the brits i was married to a british guy before you know he doesn't he would never dream of going out you know to get smashed like we do sometimes so he thought all this was very odd you know all this this heavy drinking and he would you know nag me in the the nicest way and then his nagging got more persistent and then it became an ultimatum really you know i'm not prepared to to 
go on with this relationship if if i see you falling around all the time you know if we go out for an evening if you can't control yourself because you know he'd say all these things that well you'll understand why it's not the right thing to say but he, he used to say things like just have two glasses you know and then stop you know i mean as if <laughs> so <laughs> But I did try because I really, I was so torn because I really wanted to stay with him. But the thought of not drinking completely, I just could not imagine my world without wine. So um, what I did was I kept trying to moderate, you know, kept trying. And I would manage to white knuckle it for, you know, two to three weeks. And I would try and drink within the recommended limits, the low risk limits, which are for for the uk which is uh, where i was at the time there uh just a bottle and a half of wine a week you know and, and sometimes i was getting through that in an evening so it was a real struggle for me but i tried again and again but what happened was every time i i just crashed you know i it would get worse and what happened was I got, well, I got a number of warning signs. Um, when I was in my early 50s, I got uh, breast cancer. And we know now, you know, that there's a real link between breast cancer and heavy drinking. But I was in denial at the time and I didn't put those two things together. So I carried on drinking. I think I I'd switched to red wine instead of whites because I decided that red wine wasn't good for you, you know, as if. So um, it was pretty hopeless. But then a few years later, I got what I call my final wake-up call. And I was away with some friends and my husband, my long-suffering husband, who was still around in spite of everything. And we were on a holiday in a beautiful house here that we'd rented with some friends. And they were all quite heavy drinkers. It was the kind of weekend where you started on the bubbly at breakfast, you know, and it just went on and on. And I remember waking up on the Sunday morning and the Saturday was very vague, felt terrible, obviously felt, it pretended that I was fine. And then we were sitting around at breakfast and I said in a chirpy little voice, oh, let's, um, let's walk down to the next village because I heard that there's a beautiful house down there and maybe we can rent it next time we came. And they all kind of looked at me uh, and there was this weird silence. And then one of them said, uh, Janet, we did that yesterday afternoon and you were with us and you, you seemed absolutely normal. You know, you weren't slurring your words. You weren't stumbling around. We didn't think you were drunk, but I couldn't remember an entire afternoon. And that really scared me because I think I knew that was damaging my body, you know, and the breast cancer. It was kind of at the back of my mind. But the thought that I was, you know, damaging my brain as well, that, that really just scared me to death. So I remember on the Monday morning after the weekend, I said to my husband, that's it, I'm done with alcohol. I'm not drinking ever again. And to be fair to him, he didn't say, oh, well, I've heard that before. Because he hadn't, you see. I'd never said, I'm going to stop. I'd always said, I'm going to cut down, I'm going to cut down. So I decided um, that was it and I stopped and how I stopped it is another story. <laughs> so I can elaborate on that point if you'd like me to. Yeah, you know, I love what you said about, um, because something when I, when people ask me, you know, how do you know you are an alcoholic? How do you know you're addicted to something? And for me, it was when I started drinking, my intention was to have a couple drinks. 
But I couldn't do that. When I started to drink, that's when the craving started. And every morning I'd be like, what did I do? You know, I went over with a six pack of beer, went to visit some friends and I left with, you know, another case of beer and, you know, empty case of beer and a bottle of vodka. And I never knew how it happened. So, you know, when it comes to knowing you're an alcoholic or, you know, because I think addiction comes in so many different forms and a lot of people don't realize it's not just, you know, drugs or alcohol. How did you know, like what, you know, when, when somebody it asks you, how do you know if you're addicted, what would you tell them? There's um, a nice expression that I quite like, which is the almost alcoholic, because I think that um, alcoholism is a spectrum, you know, and at one end of that spectrum, you've got the homeless man in the park, you know, with his bottle of whatever in the brown bag and at the other end you've got someone that never thinks about alcohol doesn't even drink but then there's millions of us on this spectrum and the the stats are that 20 percent of people who are regular drinkers you know just social drinkers will get addicted and i think you know that there's some warning signs that you're becoming an almost alcoholic that you're moving along that spectrum and i think those warning signs are things like um you know, if, if you enjoy drinking alone, I think that's a bit of a danger sign because what you're doing is you're creating a relationship with the alcohol you do, you, rather than people. So drinking alone, I, I used to love drinking alone because there was no one to judge me, you know. So that's a bit of a warning sign. And obviously things like drinking and driving and if all your activities seem to revolve around alcohol, that's that's another one and drinking above those recommended limits you know once I discovered that if you want to be really healthy you know you should never drink more than a bottle and a half of wine I was horrified I was thinking but but that's nothing for a whole week how am I going to make that last so there are warning signs and what we do at World Without Wine is we encourage people to take a break because that's a great way just to test you at the moment, we're running something that we call the Sober Spring Challenge, and that lasts for 66 days. And the, the rationale behind that is that's how long it takes to create a new habit, you know, to create a neural pathway. So for 66 days, you know, we have little mini podcasts and we send people emails and we put them in a WhatsApp group so they can all chat to each other as they go through the days and you know loads of people that sign up for that they think because we we market it as a bit of a health kick you know it's not for alcoholics but it's just you know make uh, change um improve your health try and take a break from the booze this kind of thing but it, it's so useful to do lots of breaks because then you you can you're testing your dependence and if you sail through 66 days with no problem then obviously you've got a very healthy relationship with alcohol but out of I mean we've got 200 people doing our challenge and out of those 200 i would say that about 120 have slipped up already you know and we're only like 2 weeks in because they can't do it <laughs> So, you know, as we know, uh, denial is, is a huge thing. And until you accept that there's an issue, you won't make any progress. It really is. I remember when um, at the end of 2011, I probably had my, you know, lowest bottom. 
and I wanted to die. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to change my life around. I'm going to go to the gym. And I went, cause I was 215 pounds and severely depressed. And, you know, I had been an addict and an alcoholic for 20 plus years at that point. And I truly believe that if I fixed how I looked on the outside, people would love me, right? I would love myself and that my life would just change. And interestingly enough, the, the woman who I hired as my personal trainer, she actually, you know, led me to a life of sobriety. So and when I told her, you know, my goal is I want to lose 75 pounds. I want to go to Vegas. I want to rock a bikini and I want to feel comfortable in my own skin. Well, somebody who's sober, you know, <laughs> she helped me get to sobriety, but I had to really want it. And I remember those first few months I would, you know, have three beer. I'd bring three beer with me to a house party or a get together. And then I'd come home and I'd have half a bottle of NyQuil. So I would pass out and I would brag that I'd only had nine beer that entire weekend, which for me, that was an accomplishment, right? But I soon learned that if you're not an alcoholic or you don't have a problem with alcohol, you don't talk about it because it just doesn't even cross your mind. So did you kind of talk about that? And when you did well, you kind of, you know, wanted to shout it from the rooftop that, hey, I've only had Abs one bottle of wine today. <laughs> Absolutely. And I had all these rules in place, you know, I would say, okay, uh, I'm not going to have alcohol in the house, you know, well, that wouldn't last very long. Or I'd say, I'll only drink at the weekends. And then I had one which was, I'll only drink when I go out. But then I dragged my poor husband out every night, you know, because I thought, oh, let's go out for dinner. <laughs> so I think having those rules in place, because we in, in our kind of world, we, we, we always talk about moderate. You know, people come to my workshops because I call them, you know, how to moderate or quit. So, but I know, you know, that anybody that is coming to that workshop, they really can't moderate, but I see it as a step on the journey, just as it was with me. And if I can move them into thinking, well, you know, maybe I can't moderate, but I say to people, you know, if they're determined to moderate, I say, okay, use the tools that you've got now, try to moderate. But if you keep moderating, keep failing, then you've got to accept that you can't. Because people that can moderate, they just moderate. They don't need to go on a workshop to learn out that they must only drink two glasses of wine when they go out. You know, I mean, it's common sense. It doesn't occur to them. Because what we mean, you know, in our world, when we talk about moderation is we mean control. We mean we must control it to this level. And yeah. we try so hard to control it because we don't want to give it up. But, yeah. you know, what I, what I teach on my courses, and um, I, I must admit, I've, I've got this idea from your fabulous Annie Grace, you know, I, I just love her mindset approach, you know, so that's what we talk about. We, ha we try to help people see alcohol differently, you know, it's not a magic potion that's going to make our life fun, you know, in fact, once we get to a certain level with it, it's, it's anything but fun, it's the opposite of fun. Exactly. So, you know, you talked about that you have groups of people together and challenges. So accountability, I found, has been a huge part of my sobriety, just being able to talk to other people that can relate to the way I'm thinking. And, you know, we can have these conversations openly because there's other things today I struggle with that I've almost replaced, you know, alcohol with like food is one of the big ones. So why don't you tell us a bit more about your workshops? Because it sounds like you have lots of group programs. And, you know, how do you help people get sober? 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you how the workshops were created because that's um, quite interesting, I think. Um, so when I decided that fateful Monday morning that that was it, I was done, I thought, okay, I'm going to get sober. I'm going to stop drinking. Now, how do I do that? <laughs> so, of course, AA came to mind because that's what you think about straight away. So I went to a few meetings and I tried hard, but somehow... It, I didn't fit, you know, I couldn't find the right people. And the the people at the meetings that I went to anyway, um, they were they were just further down the line than me. You know, they were they were on the vodka in the morning and I was still only on my one bottle of wine at night. And I remember looking at them and thinking, Oh, I've not really got a big problem here. I'm not like them. So in fact, it was a bit, it did me a bit of a disservice because then I went away and I carried on drinking and it, it wasn't good. So, you know, I knew that I had to stop. So I carried on looking on the internet and then I found a one day workshop, which was in London in UK, which is where I'm from. So I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm due to go home for a trip. Let's, let's give this one a whirl. So I went along and it wasn't a great workshop. It was run by a nurse and we were in a kind of small hot room and she was um, reading basically medical stuff to us, which was pretty terrifying. I had no idea quite how bad alcohol was for my body. But she, she went through all that and that, you know, that stayed with me. But what made it, what made me change was that the people like there, you know, they were women with good jobs and nice families and drinking a bottle of wine at night. So I could relate to them. And we all shared our stories and some of us cried a bit and it was very bonding. You know, we, we all shared numbers. And because of that connection, even though I was back here in South Africa, I managed to stay sober. So after I'd been back in South Africa for a while and I was about seven, eight months sober, you know, really feeling good, um, I, I thought, well, my, my professional background is in human resources and training and development. So I thought, well, with 25 years experience, you know, of um, training and development, running workshops, uh, doing executive coaching, surely I can create a workshop which is even better than the one that I've been on. So that's what I did. And, you know, the first time I ran it and what, what really helped me get the word out a lot here was um, there was a lot of media interest, you know, because um, somebody talking about sobriety that wasn't kind of AA basis was, was quite a novelty. So people were inviting me, you know, to go on TV and talk on the radio. So the word got around. And the people came to the workshops and we got some, you know, we did surveys. We got about 44% of the people that came. We managed to help them to become alcohol free. So it just worked out really well. And we've run more than 50 workshops now. And it's kind of grown organically because what's been lovely is that people that have been on the workshops and got sober with us, rather than drifting off into the sunset, they've stuck around because they want to pay it forward and help me to get other people. So, you know, I've got people working with me that help me co-facilitate the workshops. We've got what we call a sober buddy system, which is, you know, a little bit like the AA sponsor system. So um, that's how the workshop started. Um, so I run those now on Zoom for obvious reasons, but I'm hoping that we can go back and do physical ones at some point.
but the great thing about the Zoom workshops, of course, is that they're international. So, you know, we're getting people from all over the world. So the Zoom workshops happen every other month now. The way they're structured is we do a three-hour group coaching session and then we follow it up by a one-hour one-to-one session. And, um, you know, the workshops are great, but what's really worked well for us is because when we were doing physical workshops, a lot of people couldn't get to them, you know, in South Africa either for financial reasons or they lived too far away. So we created a membership program and people that are on our membership program, we put them straight away on the 30 day challenge. We put them on a WhatsApp group and every Saturday afternoon we have what we call our Zoom cafe. And that's really good fun because we get one of the people that's been got sober with us doing a talk and then everybody does a check in. So there's that accountability thing going on and we've just, you know, bonded so, so nicely. So the membership is great and we're trying to make it more international. So if there's anyone listening to this on your side, I'd like to say it's a mere, what is it? I just worked it out before we came on. It's $5 a month. So it's, you know, it's nothing and you can cancel at any time. So I just say to people, you know, join us for a while, see if you like us, you know, if you don't, you can cancel. (laughs) So that's, that's the kind of things we offer. Yeah. And it sounds amazing. I mean, you and I both talked before the interview that there's so many different ways that you can get sober and not everything works for everyone. And then there's also a lot of people out there that I realize now, because I always get asked, you know, is it the amount of alcohol you drink? And I'm like, no, you could be someone who just like you, you come home from work and you have to turn to that wine because you don't know how to, how to cope. Like it was never about the quantity. Although I drank a lot, it sounds like you and I pretty much had the same drinking behaviors, you know, we like would have I, been drinking <laughs> we totally would have been, we just wouldn't have remembered the next day, but you know, like, and people ask me like, that's insane. Why would you want to get to that point? I'm like, cause I couldn't stop. But I think that it's important. And, and I think this is why sometimes people don't like programs like AA is because you're right. You know, they can't relate. They can't. And it's why I never shared my story before. Like I lost a lot and I was $75,000 in debt and I had nothing. I was, you know, mentally, spiritually, financially bankrupt when I got sober, but I wasn't homeless. You know, I was a very functioning alcoholic. I, I kept my job. Um, so I think, you know, it's important to, you know, if you're trying to get sober, you think that you have a problem there's so many different ways. And I really love how you've designed something that people can relate to that might be lighter drinkers and it's become a problem or, you know, with their spouse. I really like how you've done that. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? As we both know. And if I can help people get off that slippery slope before they, they go too far towards the alcoholic and then, you know, that that's great too. But we, we talk a lot about, um, I always say once you've crossed a line with your drinking, you know, there's no going back. You just have to ditch the stuff and then go forward. But then I, I also see it in two stages, which is where I differ from the AA approach. Because I think, you know, you have to ditch the drink and we give people tools to, and support to do that. But then they have to create a new life. You know, you have to reconfigure things. And, and what's awesome about sobriety, as you'll know, uh, Tamara, is it gives you time, you know, and clarity of thought 
and you can get to know yourself better and you can discover what gives you a natural high. You know, we've got some lovely stories of people that have gone on to be published authors and painters and therapists. And uh, it's, it's a whole new world. And that's, that's the exciting part of it, I think. It is so exciting. And I, I always had this limiting belief that because I lived so long in addiction, I wasted 20 years of my life. And it wasn't until last year when I started surrounding myself with like-minded people and others that were helping, you know, um, others in the health and wellness industry that I'm like, wait a minute, I pretty much have a 20 year university master's in addiction. Like, I don't, I don't know if you get any more, you know, I know people who have lasted a lot longer, but I'm like, that's pretty educated. Right. And yeah, we're like PhDs, like our friend Adam, aren't we? PhDs in addiction. Exactly. And, but I was scared to death to quit. And you mentioned it as well. I didn't want to quit because I went to the movies with vodka. I went everywhere that I went, I went with alcohol and I thought, my life's going to end. I'm never going to have a fun, fun moment again, even though I blacked out and didn't remember most of them. I'm, how am I going to, like, I have to feel feelings. I mean, my first year of sobriety, I cried more than I think I've cried in my entire life. And I really thought that I couldn't live a happy and fulfilled life sober. And I've realized it's the complete opposite for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like yeah, for you this- today? Yeah, there's, what, what's that lovely meme? Sobriety will give you everything that you thought alcohol would, you know, what you were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have um, people coming to the workshops and they say, oh, I'm going to lose all my friends, you know, how will I ever have fun again? And then when we get people moving along their journey, they say, oh, I'm so emotional, you know, I can't stop crying. But if you've spent 20 years numbing every feeling you get with booze, then of course they're all going to bubble up because we, we, we've forgotten how to deal with those feelings. And, you know, even if we do cry for a week, that's great, you know, just let it happen and then you'll you'll come out feeling better but sorry you didn't I didn't ask your question (laughs) getting carried away uh you you said to me how's my life yeah well my life is beautiful you know I'm feeling incredibly blessed um because I'm doing this work and I think when you come out of addiction you've got a chance to discover your purpose you know your meaning in life and if you know you and I we're very similar in that because we're using, you know, the pain that we've been through and this, this negative experience to help other people. You know, there's even a name for it in South Africa. They, they talk about the hero's journey, you know, so we've, we've been through something, we've healed ourselves and now, you know, we're helping other people. And as you know, you know, there's enormous joy and satisfaction in doing that. And my career, you know, my professional career, I was in corporates, you know, and I was, you know, it was all about making shareholders richer, you know, I mean, it was very cold and and hard. And, you know, I enjoyed it because being in HR, you were with people anyway, and helping people. But uh, even so, you know, it wasn't really in line with my values. But now what I'm doing is totally in line with my values. So, yeah, you know, I'm very happy these days, probably happier than I've ever been in my life, even though I'm quite old now. (laughs) (laughs) You don't look it, though. Oh, good. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You look amazing. (laughs) You know, I, 
Yeah, I second what you say. I mean, I feel like I've been given such a massive gift now because I really found my purpose in life. You know, I knew that I wanted to do life coaching, right? And then I got into performance consulting and I was really, I've been trying to niche down and so many people have addictive and unhealthy behaviors. And I'm like, and at first, honestly, because of how I got sober, I, I own nothing. You know, I had no money to spend on a coach or self-improvement. And now of course it's what I focus on, but I, you know, we've been given such a gift and I tell people that, that are struggling or have been through trauma or addiction in their life is that, listen, you know, you've been given something that a lot of people don't go through and that's experience, right? You now can share that gift with other people. And there's so much trouble in the world right now that we need more people going, Hey, you know what? I suffered too. Like I've been through depression. I've been through this or that because it really opens doors for others when they can see us and they can relate. And I always try to think about that because, you know, like the, the brown paper bag and somebody who's homeless, I never got there. And someone, so I can't relate to that and neither can the mother who's, you know, drinking a bottle of wine because she's so stressed out after her kids go to sleep. Right. But they can relate to me probably a lot more than they can relate to somebody like that. So I think it's so important that we share this gift. Yeah, share, sharing our stories is, is just so important. And it's about the power of vulnerability, isn't it? As um, Brene Brown talks about a lot. But what, one of the things, you know, if someone has come out of addiction and you have that, that thought that, oh, you know, I've wasted 20 years when in fact you haven't because it was all meant to be and now you're doing this work. Uh, but we encourage people, because people do sometimes feel a bit like that, we encourage them to write a goodbye to alcohol letter. And the, the story of that is that I wrote mine and I read it out on the radio here in South Africa. And it, it went kind of viral, you know, just locally, I guess. And loads of people started sending me their goodbye to, it was drugs, you know, and other things as well, just goodbye to. So now we have a website called goodbyetoletters.com. And there's lots and lots of letters on there. And, and I think, you know, writing something like that is very cathartic. You know, it was for me. And my letter, you know, it kind of goes through my story. And then, but then at the end, it says, so, you know, I'll never forget you. We had some amazing times together, but now, you know, I'm, I'm going on to lead a different life. So thank you for the good times. And, and I think that that's kind of nice because it's, you know, I mean, it just shows that we were meant to, to go on that journey and we mustn't beat ourselves up and think, oh, what a dreadful person I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I'm big on mindset because it's something that I've really learned to look forward now and I have a vision and my vision is so clear that I, I love going to bed early at night. This might sound totally crazy. So I can wake up at 4am every day and do this, you know, mm, like, yeah, I love I understand. it. You're, you're keeping me up late tonight. Tomorrow. I know. <laughs> it's past my bedtime. <laughs> it would be past mine too, if I were visiting. So <laughs> But do you have, I, I've learned to incorporate, you know, meditation and obviously exercise and taking care of myself. Do you have a daily routine that you have today? Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky in that I live by the sea. So every day I do at least, you know, a good hour's walk by the sea. And I tend to time that at six o'clock because that was my wine witch hour. 
And so I, I got into that habit when I was first, you know, trying to be sober. And obviously I'm not tempted at six o'clock anymore. But the habit of doing that walk at six o'clock has stuck. So I do that and I do yoga and a bit of meditation. I'm not heavily into it. I have to use those apps. You know, I use Headspace or Calm. Or, so I wouldn't say I'm an expert there, but I get more out of my yoga. I've done yoga, you know, since I was 20 something. So I can really get into that. And yeah, I mean, the, the rest of the time is um, more or less spent on World Without Wine. <laughs> I've never worked so hard in my life, but I'm loving it. You know, I'm just driven by passion. So I do a lot of writing as well. You know, I enjoy writing. And now, of course, the podcasting. I'm, I'm currently recording 66 mini podcasts to go with our Sober Spring Challenge. And I'm on day, I've just recorded day 40. And it's quite funny because the challenges are already on day 30. So they're kind of snapping at my heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to keep that going. Yeah, but yeah, I'm loving podcasting because it's such a nice opportunity to meet people and can't wait to have you on my show next. <laughs> yes, I'm excited. We'll put all the links and everything for your show as well. So let me ask you one last question. If you could, so if somebody's out there struggling right now and they're not sure whether or not they should reach out, what are the top things that you think people should look for in terms of, you know, okay, maybe this does need to change? Yeah, I think, I mean, we have touched on them. I think drinking every day, drinking alone. If, if you're thinking, of, if you think you should be drinking less, then you probably should. Because otherwise, it won't be on your radar, you know. Like normal people don't think about alcohol all the time. <laughs> they get on with their lives, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. And normal, I, I'll go, this still baffles me to this day. When I go out with someone for dinner, and they have like half their wine and they leave and oh. they have half their wine left. I'm like, are you're not going to drink that? Like, why wouldn't you drink that? I'm the same. How do they do that? <laughs> it's very odd, isn't it? Yeah. But I would also say to people, you know, just sign up for a challenge, you know, do one of our challenges, take a break. And if you can't take a break from booze without obsessing about it, then you really need to do some serious work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we'll send them to the workshop, so. Yeah, well, that's what happens. Awesome. <laughs> People on October Spring, they're going, Janet, when's your next workshop? <laughs> yes, and we have to make sure you work in some times for us North Americans here so that we can, oh, yes. we yes. can all collaborate and get online too because I don't know if, you know, any of my listeners would get up at, you know, one o'clock in the morning to come. <laughs> Yes, yes. We'll have to make a plan. <laughs> That's right. So how can people get a, a, in touch or learn more? Uh, the best thing is just to go to our website, which is called worldwithoutwine.com. Um, the, the podcast is called Goodbye to Alcohol. Um, you can, anyone can email us at worldwithoutwine at gmail.com. So, uh, and in fact, on my website, which loads of people use from all over the world is, um, there's just a little icon that's, it's a WhatsApp thing, you know, it says, hi, Janet, <laughs> can I help you, Janet here, can I help? And, and lots of people use that and I end up chatting to them. So that, that works really well. So we're, we're very accessible. Perfect. And then of course, we'll put all the links in the show notes, but I just want to thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate that you joined me on the show. 
Well, it was such fun. Thank you, Tamara. And I look forward to returning the compliment. <laughs> We've got a date already, haven't we? We've got that, a date booked. That's right. It's yeah. coming up soon. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. And if you are struggling with addictive behavior or just addiction in general, there is help. So make sure you reach out because it's never too late to turn your life around. I know how that feels, that hopeless lost and there are so many resources out there definitely take advantage of that and guys until next time be safe out there that wraps up another episode of the road to health podcast where my mission is to empower you to live up to your true potential because you're capable of so much more than you think i know from experience it can be hard to make healthy lifestyle changes that actually stick I work with people to help them create a vision, define their goals, and identify the roadblocks that stop them from achieving them. If you'd like to learn more about my individual and group coaching, visit my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And when you're there, make sure you sign up for one of my free live workshops so you can start your journey today.